Good afternoon from South Mims U, where we discuss another burning topic of the day. And today we are talking to Professor Knox Tugnut about, well, matters scatological, aren't we? Yes, we are. And you are from the Department of Scatology. I am. Am I right in thinking that South Mims U is the only UK university with a department of scatology? We are the only one, yes, which is a bit of a surprise when you think of it. Well, perhaps for the sake of some of our better brought-up listeners, you need to define what scatology means. Certainly. The original meaning was the study of excrement and muck, but it has now spread to the study of foul language. Which is increasing by leaps and bounds, according to some. It is on the increase, yes, and we have reached a sort of crisis. A linguistic crisis? A crisis, absolutely. And you're saying we, need, we will need the help of our listeners? Listeners, students, yes, maybe the international community as well. In fact, the answer could lie with them. So, what has happened? Well, I need to give you a bit of background. For a start, foul language has been with us a lot longer than we thought. It's often referred to as Anglo-Saxon, isn't it? Well, yes, it is, and we'll come on to that. But it goes back way before them. What do you mean? Well, to begin with, some previously unknown prehistoric caves have been discovered near where modern Newcastle is. Archaeologists have discovered what can only be described as graffiti of a particularly scatological nature, on the walls of the area used as a communal latrine. Well, how can they be sure it was a, a, a latrine? Well, I've been there and I've had a look, and the evidence is pretty compelling. After so long in the field, I developed a sort of feel for it, and the painting on the wall is very well preserved. Some people think it's a picture of a spear, but it just isn't. I suppose all I'm saying is that obscenity is nothing new. Even prehistoric man was at it. Some of the Egyptian hieroglyphs are pretty racy, you know. Some of them are definitely not translated for the tourists. But people often do describe it as Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, well, that's just a euphemism, isn't it? We know it's prehistoric, as I say, Egyptian, and there was definitely a lot of uh, Celtic material as well. Celtic? I mean, how do you know? I thought there were no Celtic records, no writing. Not strictly true. You know all those swirly patterns on their rings and crosses and so on? Well, not so much the crosses. Yes. Filth. Pure filth, much of it. It's a kind of hieroglyph as well. Like the Egyptian? In a way. It's more swirly. Anyway, we've managed to translate some of it. They would put it on their shields when fighting the Romans. It translates as fuck off. F off Romans? Just that. So that predates your Anglo-Saxons by a few centuries. Well, OK then. So um, why have the Anglo-Saxons got this reputation? Why were the Anglo-Saxons so foul-mouthed? Well, they weren't. I think that was put about by the Normans, who were even more foul-mouthed than the Saxons. All right, then. Which country swears the most, then? The Russians, by a country mile. But we're getting distracted. Uh, do you know any Anglo-Saxon swear words? Off the top of my head, I know some late Anglo-Saxon stuff. Well, apart from the obvious, I mean, we all know them. Uh, there is bootil. That's horse penis. Not sure if that's good or bad. Well, it's, <laughs> it's good, surely. I mean, they're quite big, aren't they? Have you seen one? I wouldn't want one. I think it's bad. Well, are there any more? Napraz. Well, it sounds more Arabic than Anglo-Saxon. Well, what does that mean? Button-ass. So the Anglo-Saxons had buttons? Horn. 
I think that was a swear word in the 18th century, wasn't it? Having the horn. It predates that. We're getting a bit off subject. I meant horn buttons. Buttons are ages old. I think the Romans had them. Button arse. Uh, you could take that many ways. Does it mean tight with money, money or something else? Probably something else. Narrabringa. Ship bosom. Ship bosom? Big boobs. They thought ships were big. Some things never change. And Shakespeare was up to his neck in filth. That was a bit later, obviously. Was he? Well, Hamlet was a right potty mouth. He says to Ophelia, Shall I lie in your lap? She says no. He says he means his head on her lap. She says yes, and he says, did she think he meant country matters, country matters. So it was certainly going strong then. And you mentioned the 18th century. Bonanza time for smut. Beard splitter. What? A gentleman who puts it about a bit. Hedge whore. Go on. A cheap prostitute. Lobcock. <laughs> Mind boggles. Oddly, nothing about a cock. A dull, inanimate fellow. Shagbag! Again, nothing sexual. A mean-spirited man. Anyway, the, all, all this is very interesting, but you have come here to talk about the F word. Yes, I have. Shall we call it the F word, or shall I just say it? Well, this is a, a podcast, so we'd better say the F word. But it's a podcast about scatology, so we should say it. But it's a, it's academic. We have standards. Standards, really? Isn't that a bit out of date? How many firsts did you award last year? 342. Look, people pay good money for them. They want value. Let's not go there. OK. Talking scatology and not using the F word instead of saying the F word is like discussing chemistry without saying phosphorus or ferrous oxides. Please, let's just play the game for now, all right? OK. Cunt. Yes, you'd do that. That was below the belt. Well, it is. Please don't do it again. We will have to edit it out and there will be a gap. Anyway, that was not the F word, that was the C word. Well, that is actually the word I want to discuss. Oh, it would be. I am leading into it by discussing the F word. Well, can we discuss it then? OK. The F word was famously first used on British TV by critic Kenneth Tynan in 1965. Since then, it's been used increasingly regularly on TV and just about everywhere else. After the watershed. Yes, probably true. Scatologists are not very interested in watershed. And stand-up comedians use it a lot, don't they? Oh, all the time. Apart from the really good ones, they don't need to. Usually, the more a comedian says the F word, the worse they are. It's a good indication of lack of good material. But yes, it's on TV all the time, in comedy, drama, you name it. And sport. Is it? If you can lip-read, it certainly is. Oh, oh, the scatology of lip-reading is a whole new discipline. We have produced a pamphlet. That's not what is under discussion here, though. So the F word is everywhere. Yes, but at the same time, drama before the watershed is very prudish. If you're writing a daytime soap, I think there's a sliding scale of swearing. Only one bloody per ten minutes, and if any. But it's the realms of the F word I'm interested in. So what about them? Well, broadly speaking, it's losing its power. Its power? Its efficacy. Well, explain. I used to know a very well-educated and erudite lawyer. He would never swear. I even saw him hit his thumb with a hammer and not swear. He was calm, he was cool, he was... Measured. Excellent. Measured. Perfect. 
He was the epitome of measured. He gave up the law and became a vicar in the end, delivering measured sermons. But what has this got to do with it? Bear with me. He had a lovely car, vintage Austin. One day, while he and I were approaching it in a car park, someone reversed their car into it, right in front of us. And he yelled, Fuck! Well, he would. I mean, who wouldn't? That's the point. Normally, he wouldn't, but this time he did, and he meant it. The power of that word. Because it was him, it made the, it made the earth shake. I was rocked to my core. It was like seeing... I, mean, I don't know what it was like. It was off the dial. So, so it, it hasn't lost its power, then? But that was because it was him. He never usually said it. That is the word's true, undiluted power. My point is that now, broadly speaking, it is diluted. Now that everyone uses it all the time, and it's even said on the telly... Oh, no, no, I see what you mean. Yeah. When the BBC first began, they would wear a dinner jacket to read the news. On the radio. Imagine if you told them that we would be saying the F word on air only 50 years or so in the future. Well, you could argue that standards have been slipping ever since. So... I mean, is that your point? No, 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 that's a given. It's part of my point. Say it. Say what? The F word. Just, just say it now. Must I? Yes. It's an academic point, a vocal experiment. Well, fuck. There you go. You've said it. You've sullied a podcast. Now say it again. Really? Yes, go on. Fuck. And again, reel off three. Fuck, 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 fuck. There you go. Fuck, fuckity fuck. Each time you say it, it makes less impact. Until it's like a wet fart. If I say bloody now, it has more grunt. Bloody. You're right, it did. Bloody right. <laughs> Even though one fuck's worth a dozen bloodies in common parlance, repetition is the killer. You see? As Sherlock Holmes said, every problem is simple when it has been explained to you. That is half my point. Fuck has lost its power. It's like a bee with no sting. Well, that's all very sad, but I don't really see why it's a linguistic crisis. Cunt. There's no need for that. No, no, no. As I said before, that's the crisis. As the word fuck has lost its power, the C word has replaced it. Well, has it? Yeah. It's still a powerful word, still causes lots of offence. Well, at least you don't hear of that on TV. That's the problem. We do. It has crept in. Well, I haven't heard it. I mean, when did that happen? Well, as with all these things, the first appearance is in dispute. We think it was Felix Dennis on a show called The Frost Report in 1970. 1970? That long ago? That's not much after the first F word. I'm calling it the F word now. I mean, I don't, I don't want to reduce its power any more than I have to. There is another theory that John Lydon, formerly known as Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols, unleashed it in 1976. Well, I, I thought that was a notorious unleashing of the, of, of the F word. Yes, it was around that time they used the C word as well. Maybe. I think he thought he had some kind of copyright on filth without a second's thought of the linguistic implications. Records are confused. Well, I, I still don't see why this is a linguistic crisis. It's a crisis because the C word was, as you say, very rare on our screens until relatively recently, but it is appearing more and more. The other day I was watching a well-known quiz show, not that far after the watershed, and the C word was dropped quite casually, 
and produced hardly any reaction in the audience. A snigger, perhaps that was all. Oh dear. Right. But it produced a large reaction in me. I broke a biscuit and almost spilled my tea. In fact, I did spill it. I remember the cat had it. So what you are saying is that you're worried about dirty words being dropped on TV because you are a prude. No, 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 that's not it at all. I'm nearly at the point. All this has been background to make my point clear. For a language to work properly, there have to be words that are only used in extremis, like nuclear bombs. We all know they are there, but we also know they will never be used. Or if they are, that is the end. M-A-D. Mutually assured destruction. Exactly. For a long time, fucking cunt were like those bombs. There, but never used in polite society, and never appearing on TV. Then fuck crept into almost common parlance, as we have said. And now it's clear that cunt is following. And of course, the more cunt is used, the less power fuck has, on top of what it loses by repetition. If the trend continues, it will have no power at all. It's all very sad, but I don't, I don't see the crisis. You don't. Simply, there is nowhere left to go. We have painted ourselves into a corner. We don't have a nuclear word. Fuck and cunt will be repeated, as we did earlier, until they have no power. And there will be no terrible word sitting in its bunker that no one dares to say. It is no exaggeration to say that without, for want of a better word, the cunt standard, all words will lose their strength and efficacy from fuck downward, or rather upward. There will be nothing, no definitive, to measure them against, no nuclear option. Just think of it logically for a minute. It's the start of a domino effect. It's like losing faith in a currency, the gold standard. I see what you mean. I mean, when you put it like that, that is actually quite serious. It's like a creeping disease, softly, softly. You don't notice until it's too late. Is there nothing that can be done? There is plenty to be done. It will be the first time ever. South Mims is at the forefront and the Department of Scatology is leading the way. That's why we are here doing this podcast. Please enlighten us. We need to invent a new swear word. And not just a swear word. One so powerful and forbidden that it will eclipse cunt. Let's call it the C word again. We can fight a rearguard action. Don't they have to develop naturally? I mean, swear words. In an ideal world, yes. But in the world of TV, the internet and so on, there is not time for natural development. Well, did you try and use a computer? I mean, fight fire with fire. First thing we did. Sponk. 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 That's what it came up with. It was one of those American ones. We had to hire it. The Americans don't care about all this, so we had to program it from scratch. Why don't the Americans care about it? They don't swear as much as us. They do in films, but not as much from day to day or on TV. The C word will last them for a long time, so we had to hire the computer. It's involved in the space programme. Sponk. That's what it came up with. Sponk. Why? Oh, I don't know. I'm not a computer. All I do know is that it's not going to work. We need the human touch. I thought South Mims U could have a competition of some kind to come up with the new word. Do we have anything to go on? Well, we thought it might help to examine earlier filth, so we have shit, self-explanatory. Then we have all the religious stuff that doesn't really go near the C word. It's sort of distant. 
Then we have prick, dick and so on, but they're already in use and are used more for an idiot than a strong expletive. We tried lining up pictures of parts of the human body to see if any of them look particularly swear word-like, like prick and the C word and so on. But we took a poll among the students and they thought ears were the most obscene to look at from a detached viewpoint. Ear doesn't touch the spot, does it? Well, what about tonsils? What about them? Well, they don't look great. You tonsil! Doesn't really do it, does it? I never really understood the thinking behind fuck. I mean, all being well, it's quite a nice activity. Or it should be. Why do we use it to swear? Vomiting is bad. I mean, that is never nice, even when all is well. Though it can't be well, I suppose, if you vomit. Um, oh, vomit sort of works, doesn't it? Oh, sick. That's a bit better, but not much. And the youth use it for a good thing. This is not getting us anywhere. Somewhere out there in podcast land, there is a genius who will just come up with a word. It could be an entirely new word that will save the English language. And when we hear it, we will just know that's the word. So what's the plan, Knox? We at the department think that we should have some kind of competition together with all the other seats of learning that are interested. Get people to send ideas in. Then we will have a judging committee and we will come up with a new C word. Then we will announce it and hopefully that is the last time it will be heard in public. And when will that happen? Sooner than you think. The situation is dire and I promise you South Mims will be at the forefront. Watch this space. Well, Professor Knox Tugnut, we will. Thank you very much. Spunk. <laughs>